I um, mentioned to the college kids today, I says, when you start thinking about some of the prophecies in the scripture, and you realize that um, they really are a miracle. And I says, just take, for example, we had 10 students. If it was in the middle of the night, there's, it's total darkness in here. Nobody could see anything, not one speck of light. But I gave each one of them a bow and arrow. And I told them that there's a target that I've got set up. And I want every one of y'all to hit this target. But you're not going to have any light. You're not going to know what direction it is. But I want you to hit the bullseye. So ten people in a dark room with a bullseye. What are the odds of every one of them hitting that bullseye? You think it can happen? I don't think it's going to happen. But when you talk about Jesus Christ, here's all these prophets in the Old Testament over a period of about 1,500 years, and they're all shooting these prophecies, these truths, these arrows. In many cases, they don't even know who it's about. It says that they study the scriptures, searching what time it was talking about. So if you don't know the time, how do you know the length? In order to hit the target. And suppose there's 300 of these arrows all flying and they have to hit the bullseye. And that bullseye is Jesus Christ himself. Every one of those prophets, he is the spirit of prophecy. You'll see that right there in the book of Revelation in chapter 19. He is the fulfillment of all the prophecies. And pew, 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 pew. here's all these prophecies from all these years and they got to be fulfilled in one person. Now, what's the odds of 300 in the dark and don't even know where the, the target is, or in some cases, who it is? But different arrows, different truth coming and hitting the target. Just think at the cross of Christ. How many prophecies was fulfilled just by him at the cross at that time? Truly a miracle. So, he is the fulfillment of all of these things. And so he says here, in verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Now, how long has the beast and the false prophet been there? At least a thousand years, right? So that didn't mean that, well, they just went there and got burned up and that's all, they're all gone. No, a thousand years has passed and they're still there. And now it says in the last part of that, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night for how long? Forever. Now they say, well, it's just the smoke of their torment of sin. So you're going to torture a smoke for a billion years? Forever? The smoke is going to be tortured. I don't think so. I think it's talking about the people. Now, that's the past and the future. Now, let's take a look at the present here, because it's a very simple thing and time in which you and I live. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John and chapter 2. There's something here that, you see, when the Lord's talking about your walk with the Lord, your fellowship with the Lord, and you can say a lot of things, but that doesn't make it true. He that saith, he has, walks in the light, but he doesn't. You can say you walk in the light. You can say you love the Lord. But if you don't live like you love the Lord, nobody should believe that you love the Lord. So there's a lot of things in the book of 1 John uh, that kind of lets us know that 
Do you love the Lord or do you love the world? This is what he says. Look what he says in verse 15. Love not the world. Okay. What does the devil want you to do? Now the Lord wants you not to love the world. So you think the devil wants the same thing as God wants? Or he wants something different? Love not the world. So the devil doesn't want you to love the Lord. He wants you to love the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because the world and anything in the world is temporary. That's why we have down here in your notes here, the lust of the eyes, material things, because of what you can see. Lust of the flesh, they're temporal things, things that satisfies the flesh. And the pride of life is the praise, the honor, and the glory. But remember, all those things are temporary because people can give them to you and people can take them away. But if you'll serve the Lord, then God said he'll give you praise, honor, and glory, but he won't take it away. It'll last forever. So you can have something that lasts forever that comes from God, or you can trade all of that off, for the, and the devil is going to try to say, look, get it now. Get it now. Now, remember, the devil offered Jesus Christ the world, all the kingdoms of the world, and he passed. He offers us little trinkets, and we give up all that eternal stuff of the little trinkets of this world, of this life. So he says here, for all, in verse 16, that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world will pass away. And the lust thereof. But if you'll do the will of God, it's something that you will have all the days of your life. You'll not waste your life. So the things of the world are going to pass. The things of God will not. And that's why you want to put the Lord first. Look at letter B under number two. Satan desires to sift away our character. Just quickly take your Bible and turn to the book of Job. The book of Job. In chapter 1. Job chapter 1. The first two chapters is very important. Satan is mentioned 13 times in just those two chapters. 13 times. Job was a, a man of great integrity. He was a godly man, but he had 10 children, and I believe he was worried about his kids. His, it might be that his children were not as godly as, uh, as daddy was. I don't know. But the Bible also makes a statement in the book of Job, that which I have feared has come upon me. He was afraid of losing his kids, and he lost his kids. He might have been afraid of losing his wealth. He lost his wealth. He could have been afraid of losing his health, and he lost his health. Because what you're afraid of means that's not what you're trusting God with. So you can lose that which you're not really trusting the Lord for. Trust the Lord, but if you live in fear of what you can lose, and you'd be surprised all the things you might lose. But anyway, he goes through here and tells about what a, a godly man that he is. And then it says down here in verse 5, And it was so when the days of their feasting was gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now, he didn't say that they did, but he said they might have. And if they did, I'm going to offer these sacrifices for them. But what happens to those kids? Well, let me tell you. In verse 6, there came a day 
And understand this, it doesn't matter what's going on today, there will come a day down the road, there's always a day coming when things seem like they're falling apart. There will come a day when it seems like, you know, somebody else is in total control. Have you ever got out of bed and started doing things and think, I need to go back to bed and try this all over again. I've had a few days like that. I should have just stayed in bed that day, never even got out of bed. Sometimes I've come over here and I'll work, work all day and I can't think of one thing I got done. What did I do today? I was here. I spent all day, but I can't remember what in the world did I accomplish. And some days you're going to find out Satan is also working behind the scenes, and he can tear down all the things you're trying to build up. And it don't take much. But he says, There came a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. The Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? He says, From going up into the, to and fro in the earth, uh, and if you could have tied that in deal, seeking whom he may devour. <laughs> From the book of Peter, in chapter 5, Satan's always seeking whom he can devour. And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? Now, wouldn't it be something that God got a hold of old Satan, you know, today? Let's say he got a hold of Satan today. He says, uh, look down there. Do you see that guy named Connor? Yeah. That man loves me. He said, yeah, but you haven't let me get at him yet. You let me get at him. And, buddy, I'll, just, I'll have him cursing you. Uh, he, God's not going to tell Connor he's going to do that. He's just going to let it happen. And wouldn't that be a scary thing that if you know God got up and it was you today, it might be somebody else tomorrow. Can it happen? You do not know what God is doing. And God may be so proud of you. He said, have you considered my servant Trent? Look at Trent down there. Have you looked at Trent lately? Man, that guy is spotless, buddy. I mean, he loves the Lord. He likes to get A's. He likes to be John John. Look at him. And all of a sudden, he just lifted up with pride. Boy, I got an A. John John got a 99. <laughs> and here he comes. Pride cometh before what? Before the bad grade. And all of a sudden, his mind goes blank. And he can't remember anything. And he has to get a zero on the test. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen with him. But it could. Satan is real. And there's a real test going on. And so he says, you let me get at him. Just let me get at him. And he says, you put a hedge about him. You won't let me get at Job. You got him all protected. Was it true? It was true. Satan couldn't get at him. Because, see, devil can't just do anything he wants to do. He's not free to do everything he wants. He has limitations upon him. God has to give him permission to take and do certain things. So he says, okay, you can do anything you want to him, but you just can't touch him. Okay, couldn't touch Job. So he got his kids, <laughs> took care of ten kids. They all died at one time. And there was always somebody left to carry the bad news. Isn't that wonderful? Somebody's always around to carry the bad news. And buddy, when you get some bad news, it seems like when it rains, it pours. And buddy, here comes another one. You know all your servants got killed? All your, uh, all your cattle's gone. But there was one left, and they came to tell the story. And in everything, a whirlwind came up. Everything's destroyed. And so, this is what happened. Look what he says there in verse 20. Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and complained, moaned, and groaned, and cursed God. He didn't do that. Is that what you would do? What would you do? Now, remember, he does not know 
that the Lord and the devil had a conversation and you were the center of attention. He says, and naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Don't you think that made God a little on the proud side? Look at the devil and go, nah, 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 nah. But now in chapter 2, it happens all over again. There was a day. See that first verse? There was a day. It seems like things are hitting in the less up after a while, and all of a sudden, boom, here it comes again. He said, if you consider my servant, yeah, 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 yeah. But well, you'd be surprised what I'm going to do for his life. He says, you let me get at him. You just let me get at him. Well, he says, okay, but you can't take his life. So now he's going to hit him physically. And with friends of his, the personal things that come in him, with his wife. You know, every man needs a woman to stand with him in the thick of the battle. And she stood right there with him and told him, says, why don't you just curse God and die? Isn't that those good words from a wife to stand behind her man? What wrong had Job done? He hadn't done anything wrong yet. You see, God wasn't showing him how far he had come. God was letting him see how much further he needed to go. And he needed to go a, a lot further because now he's got to, without any of these things and without any explanations, can he maintain his integrity and still love the Lord and do right. Now, he cursed the day he was born. <laughs> and he said a lot of things, but he never cursed God. He just wondered why God, I demand a meeting with God. He said, we need to have a talk. So by the time you get to the 38th chapter, God says, now, let me get this straight. You want to talk to me? He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I... And, of course, Job, he has no answer. God put him on the spot, buddy, and showed him how ignorant he was, how little he knew. He thought he had it all planned. Well, his, he had friends. And what did his friends do? Well, his friends told him, says, you know, it's because you got sin in your life, Job. You ought to just come clean. You know that God is not going to bless your sinful ways. You've got to confess it. Job says, I haven't done anything. And they said, yes, you have. They said, no, I haven't. Well, when the whole show is over with, <laughs> God says, uh, would you pray for your, your buddies. Pray for your buddies. Did you know when it was all over with, God wound up giving back everything to Job? More than he ever had before. But he only gave him 10 kids back because, you see, the other 10 weren't totally lost. They were up there. But he still has them. And God gave him some more kids and gave him some good-looking women. It says Job's daughters. It's something, if the Bible actually says it, that they were knockouts. They were beautiful girls. Because the more beautiful they were, the more expensive they would be. And people would pay more to get all of them women. But God allowed this man not only to have some daughters, but good-looking daughters. God really blessed him. And look how much this story has helped people down through the centuries. Because Job didn't have the advantages that we have. You see, you and I were not told why 
God did all of these things. Job didn't know that. But now because we know that stories in the Bible, we have an idea. You know, the Lord may be allowing me to be tested by the devil. And therefore, I've got to watch myself. Remember when Peter was told by the Lord that you're going to deny me. And he says, Lord, the rest of them might, but not me. And he's going to defend the Lord. They're not taking you. I'm going to stand with you. And I'll, I even got my sword ready. I even sharpened it. And he was so good, he even cut off a man's ear. That was a mistake. He was aiming for his head. And what did the Lord do? He reached down there and picked up his ear and put it back on his head. Now, if I saw somebody do that, I'm out of here. And here's Peter, and the Lord says, get behind me, Satan. Satan hath desired to sift you. It's like sifting wheat, get rid of all the bad stuff. Satan wants to get rid of all the good stuff. He wants to sift the character and integrity out of your life. He wants to ruin your testimony. So he, uh, he works. And um, evidently, Job and Mrs. Job made up. Wouldn't you say? Somewhere along the line, they, they made up. So how do you know? They had 10 more kids. And that's not just by looking at each other and saying, hi, dear. <laughs> Sometimes I have to get a little bit more realistic for y'all to understand the importance of the scriptures here. But now, take your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, this is why the Bible tells us to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So that you understand what the word of God says and how to apply it to your life. Because he says there's some people who are trying to destroy your faith. They want you to have shipwrecked. In other words, instead of getting out there and walking on the water, they, they want you to crash against the rocks. They don't want you to succeed. Because, you see, if you succeed in serving the Lord, then somebody else, well, you're a natural rebuke to those who aren't doing right. That's why they will mock or ridicule. But he says here in verse 17, And their word will eat of doth a canker, of whom is Hymenus and Philetus, in other words, it sets in like gangrene and just keeps on until it just eats and just devours the whole person. That's what error in teaching does. Error in doctrine. But one of the things you'll see this in verse 16, the way you can tell what is good doctrine and false doctrine, good doctrine always leads toward godliness. Error in doctrine leads toward ungodliness. It doesn't accomplish what God wants it to. So that's why he says in the last part of verse 16, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Then you go down here and it says in verse 16, they have erred concerning the truth, overthrow the faith of some. And then you go on down a little bit further and talks about in verse 21, if a man therefore purge himself. So you as a child of God are supposed to purge your life from those things that will hurt your walk with the Lord. And so he says, he shall be a vessel unto honor. So whether you are a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor is your choice. You are a vessel of honor if you purge things out of your life so that you can be a vessel that's fit 
meat for the master's use. And that's what it says there in verse 21. In verse 22, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness. There's things to flee, and there's things to follow. There's things to fight. And so I preached a whole sermon on that one time. Things to fight, things to flee, things to follow, and so on. But anyway, he said, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, nor they do gender strife. And strife is a work of the flesh. Stay away from certain things. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle on all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. How did they get trapped? Because they believed the error that's mentioned like up in verse 18. How do you recover yourself? Believe in the truth. So you look what he says in verse 26. And they that may recover themselves out of the snare of the what? Out of the snare of the devil. You see, you don't maybe see the devil working, but he will lie to you, interject thoughts, seek to lead you astray, getting you to think about things that will not be profitable. He says, are taken snare by the devil. Now get the last part of it. Who are taken captive by him at his will. When you believe error, get away from truth, he can capture you, and he will. And this is why it's so important to stay involved and come into church, learn as much as you can, stay in the Word all the days of your life. Now, we were talking about in our men's downtown Bible study today, and talking about in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 17, and also chapter 18, where it talks about in chapter 17 about the king. And when the man becomes the king, when they get into the promised land, the king, well, he's supposed to write his own copy of the law. And then he is supposed to read it every day for his whole life. That's in the chapter 17, Deuteronomy, of the king. Lest, lest they multiply to themselves riches, horses, power, and women. They were not to multiply the women. Zero. Not to be done. Did any of them do that? Was there a price to pay? Yes. And then in the very next chapter, chapter 18, the first part of it talks about the priest. So Jesus Christ was a king, he was a prophet, and he was a priest. And all mentioned right there. You take away the chapter division and it runs together real beautifully. It's just awesome. It really is. But he says... Satan is going to go to work, and he goes to work on our minds. And he talks about that every thought should be brought into the captivity of Christ. In other words, the Lord wants to capture your mind. If he captures your mind, he can capture your life. But if the devil captures your mind, he captures your life, because all actions are born within the mind. So whether you succeed or fail, it starts and ends right up there. That little piece of territory right there. And they say that the game of golf, believe it or not, is played right there. I was on the golf course and there I was, minding my own business. I had made a mistake. I had gotten too far ahead of Jesse. <laughs> Peter looked back there and says, he's fixing the hit. Run for your life. So we ran up toward this tree. And Jesse's getting ready to hit. And he saw me run up toward the tree. So he turned over that way. 
and the ball missed me just by inches. And he says, it was an accident. <laughs> and Peter assured me that was no accident. That was, and he ran up there and he says, boy, if you hadn't moved, that would have nailed you. I said, yeah, 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 would have nailed it. But we did. We had fun. We had fun. Uh, no, nobody died. You know, golf is a lot like life. You work all day to get to the green and wind up in the hole when you get there. <laughs> now, how did I get sidetracked that easy at the end? The devil must have came along and put that thought in there. Anyway, I wouldn't have said that if Jesse hadn't have said anything right before the service tonight. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. And because he loves us, he doesn't want us to pay for our sin, but the wages of sin is death. It means eternal separation from the Lord in hell. So God says, I love you. I want you to go to heaven, but to go to heaven, I can't take this with me. No sins allowed. But this sin that I commit came because of my sinful nature. This is the whole thing's got to be, it's, it's the whole thing's a mess. So God says you have to make the death payment. Man cannot save himself and get himself fit for heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh, came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all of our sins, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. He said that all that we had to do, it's the only thing we can do is believe he did it for us. So if I believe he did it for me, he puts that payment to my account, I go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for me. Eternal life is the gift of God. And once you trust Christ as your Savior, you can know that you have eternal life. And all your sins are paid, and there's no sin that I have to pay for. Now that's the penalty of my sin. Now in my life, in sin in your life, there's natural consequences that we're going to have to pay for. And the thing is, you may go down here and rob a bank. Yes, you can. Will God forgive you? Well, of course He forgives you. But that doesn't mean Uncle Sam will. He may put you behind bars. <laughs> so you can't just live as you please and think you're going to get away with it. There's other consequences to sin. But hell is not one of my consequences. No, I'm glad that's been taken care of. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're watching by internet and have never trusted Christ as your Savior, the devil doesn't want you to trust the Lord. You can understand why. He hates God. And God loves you. So he can get at God and hurt God by keeping you from trusting the Lord. But you don't have to listen to the devil. You can make up your own mind. Say, I want to go to heaven, and I believe if I trust Christ, I'll have eternal life, and that's what I'm going to do. So, friend, if you'll trust the Lord, would you uh, let me know by clicking on the link right there on the screen, and it would let us know, and I pray that you will. Father, we are thankful so much for your watch, care, and your love, and all your provision for us. Thank you for this church, these good people. We pray, Lord, for the things that are coming up this coming week. We commit all these things to you in Christ's name. Amen.